The only thing that, G, that God says in his Bible that you need to give an answer for is this. We think we need an answer for a lot of things. We think we need an answer for what church do you go to? We think we need an answer for, for what do you believe? We think we need an answer to how, do you, how does what you believe different from what the Baptists believe? We think we need to have those kind of answers in our head. We think we need an answer of why we immerse rather than sprinkle. We have a lot of things in the church that we have these set, ready to give answers for, but there's only one thing that it specifically says, you need to have an answer for this. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense. The NIV says, give an answer for. To everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Two things have to happen, first of all, for you to even have an answer. Number one is you have to actually have the hope that is in you, or people aren't going to be asking you this question. I want you to think back. If people asked me that question, it doesn't get asked as much here in the United States, I'll tell you, because there are so many things to hope for out there. Only one of them really is unwavering, but there's a lot of stuff. Just your, I told you I started a new job this week about, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I, I was looking for a job. Three things in my life just in the last, uh, we'll, say, we'll say within the last two years. One, lost a job. Out of a job. Then I got a really good job. And then I got an even more incredible job. I want you to think of when people asked me this question. And I'll tell you when, it's when I didn't have a job. When you have a job, people just assume that's where your hope is. Your hope is in your next paycheck, so they don't even ask you this question. When you don't have a job and you say that you trust 100% in God no matter what, that's when they start asking these questions. The context of this passage right here is they are getting beaten on. They are having their families torn apart. They are around people that hate Christianity. They are in extreme tribulation. That's why this question keeps coming up over and over again to them. How do you have this hope? We read in Hebrews that they were killed, they were beaten, they were sawed in two. That's when people really ask this question, so we don't get it a lot, because people just assume that you're hoping in something that they hope in. Don't let people assume that. So one thing is people assume that your hope is in something different, and the other is you don't have any hope at all. But if you have hope in the most difficult of times in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when you'll be a witness, and that's when people ask you this question. And by God, you should have an answer for this. Because it is him you should glorify in this question. If, you're in, you, know, see, if you come in Monday morning, I don't know how you guys are at work on Monday morning, those of you that work. But Monday morning is a time that everybody's kind of like, oh, I've got to start a new week. My, my typical thing Monday morning, when I walk in Monday morning, I say, oh, greatest Monday, the weekend's over and I can come back to work. And they all look at me and think I'm nuts. And they ask me this question, how can you be, 
Now, if my answer to the question, you know, how can you be so excited and so happy and so joyful and so hopeful, and I said, because I had my cup of coffee, they'd be like, oh, okay. That's not the answer to this question that you should have. Here's the answer that you should have, something to this effect. Your answer should be different, by the way. Your answer should be from the heart. But this is the Bible answer. This is the go to adult Sunday school and they ask you this question. This is your answer, all right? If somebody asks you out there, have a personal answer. I'll give you my, my answer to this, but this is the Bible answer to why we have the hope that we have. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into grace in which we now stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is, give, who is given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That should be your answer. When anybody asks you for the hope that you have, it should be Jesus Christ. It should be the realization that what you deserve is death and destruction because of who you are and who you've been. That's what we deserve. We have the TV, we have advertisement all the time telling us that we deserve good things. No, we deserve death. That's what we deserve. But that's not where our hope is. Our hope that is at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, and therefore I, Mark Tevis, can have peace with God. And I can tell you that that truth does not change no matter what your situation is here on earth. Because I can tell you across this realm, there is a lot of different situations. I can tell you if you're a millionaire, this is true. If you are in incredible debt and don't know how to get out of it, this is true. If you are unemployed, this is true. If you have an incredible job, this is true. No matter what is happening in your life, the hope is the anchor that Jesus Christ at the right time died for the ungodly, and that is you and me. And because of that, we have peace with God. That should bring a joy that is unsurpassable. That should bring a peace that surpasses all understanding. That is what we hope in. And it is a hope that is true. And when we talk about a hope that is full, that's what we talk about. The first thing that you need to fully understand is that God is true in what he says. I am not just telling you my religion, okay? I, Mark Tevis, because my mom and dad were Christians, they grew, I grew up a Christian, they read the Bible, I read the Bible, and what the Bible says is true, and that's just the way it is. That has nothing to do with it. They believed it. This is, we're talking about this whole series about the church in Thessalonica. This is what God, what, what Paul said about them. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, consistently bearing in mind the work of your faith, the labor of your love, and the steadfastness of hope 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. If you want to have full hope, you've got to believe it. You can't kind of think so. You can't kind of hope so. Kind of hope so is not full of hope. Thinking, well, I sure hope that's what happens. We're going to talk about what faith is here in a second. Faith is the conviction it's knowing what you believe to be true. That's where Thessalonica was. It, didn't just, it wasn't just a word that they heard. It came to them in the Holy Spirit, and it came to them in full conviction and in power that what they were telling them is true. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you just think I'm just talking about stuff that I read in this book. Or if you really believe that it's true, if you want that, that hope to be a foundation in your life, you've got to believe it. I 100% believe it. People think I'm crazy about it, but that's just what it is. I love, I love God's word. I love what it says, and I truly can tell you, standing before you, I have full conviction. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which was heard from us, you accepted it not as from word, uh, not as word from men, but for what it really was, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. You need to understand what it says to him. It's not just something somebody taught them. It's not just some good stuff. I, this new job, before I started it, they gave me this book, and the name of this book is an outward mindset. That's the name of the book. And I'm not a big book reader, so I, I got on an audio. I cheated, but it works. Except my wife had to listen to that book all the way back from Spokane, Washington. It's a good book. You know what the book was? The book was the teaching that consider other people's need as more important than your own. You ever heard that before? The Bible wasn't mentioned once in this whole book, but they made a lot of money off of what the Bible said. But at least that's what they believe at work, is that that's what you should be. They don't know why you should be it. Because what that book was is just the word of man, but what they were taking them was the word of God. You need to believe that it's not what Mark is saying today. If your hope is in what Mark is saying, because Mark taught us some pretty good stuff, you're not in the right place, you need to understand what I am telling you is the word of God. What Paul told them was the word of God. That's why, that's why most of my sermons, if you haven't noticed, are mostly just words of God, because Mark doesn't know much. <laughs> but God's incredible. Okay. Again, still, Paul, this is what I need you to understand. We talk a lot about faith um, in the church, but I want you to understand that faith and hope are linked very closely. Faith is the assurance of the things hoped for. So I need you to understand that about faith, because we talk a lot about faith. If your faith isn't, because what your faith is, it is the assurance of what you hope for. So if you hope for the wrong thing, you need to understand that. You still have faith. You just have faith in the wrong thing. I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there have faith in their 401k plan. Okay? 
and they have full assurance in what they hope for. My dad told me, he says, you know, I did the calculation, and your mother can live until she's 98 by what we have in our 401k plan. And he has full assurance of that. I don't know if you've been around in 2007 when your 401k turned into a 201k, but <laughs> it's not a good place to have your assurance because it's, it's very quickly that could be gone. But that first thing I told you about, that Jesus at the right time died for you, doesn't change. Your 401 can and will change. Whatever it is, whether it's your job, whether it's even your family. I had a person stand up uh, that we were listening to. He gave the most, uh, we we had an offering meditation. And most offering meditations you kind of listen to and don't really pay attention to because they're just like five minutes things about offering. His broke my heart. He read the verse about do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, which is not all that unusual for people to stand up and to give that. But he said, I want to tell you this, church, I lost my wife and my children. And boy, did I find out where my heart was. That's, that's where his whole treasure was, was in his family. His treasure was not in God, and he lost God for a period of time when that happened because he had and now needed to re and be reintroduced to what truly is eternally important. Anything that you trust in can and will fail if it's not God, if it's not Jesus Christ. You need to believe that the assurance of what you hope for better be Jesus because if your faith and assurance is in something different, you will end up disappointed. The conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were made, were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. What is seen is made out of God. I, you know, I, I love science. Science... Science continues to say that it is in, it's, it's opposite of God, right? You either believe in science or you believe in God. You can't believe in both. And then they do all this incredible study, and they find out, imagine this. We just found out that the whole, everything was created in a moment. But they can't call it God, so they call it Big Bang. I... I I would say what God creating everything would be a pretty big bang. <laughs> and if you, don't, if you don't know what the word universe stands for, the universe, universe stands for one word. Everything that we know of was recreated in one word. And that was spoken by God. Understand that everything that this world tries to look for for hope is just wrong. But God, if you truly believe with all your heart, soul, and mind that God is true and everything was prepared by the word of God, your hope will be secure. But it doesn't stop there. Hope also needs to be found as a foundation of love. The Bible's pretty clear that anything you do, if it is without love, is pointless, worthless, and as the Bible says, a resounding gong. That's what it is without 
you, your hope needs to include love, not just love of others, love of God and love of others. And those others aren't just people you like, it's everybody. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. We don't talk a lot about that little piece that says hopes all things. You ever really thought about what that means, that love hopes all things? I'm, I'm an IT guy. I'm an analyst by trade. And what that means is you look at all the facts and you determine what truth is by the facts. doesn't always play out in relationship. <laughs> That's why IT people aren't big relationship kind of people. I had to learn this, love hopes all things. I used to judge people by what they've done in the past and their pattern in the past. Therefore, that's the kind of people they're going to be in the future. That's how I used to look at people. If, you are, you know, if you're a good God-fearing person, you'll probably still be a God-fearing person. If you're a person that completely continues to ignore God, you'll probably continue to be a person. I just looked at, I looked at people as facts. That's not what love does. God, God pierced my heart on this one with a friend of mine that I had. He continued to fail to... He failed to come through on just about everything. That was just to kind of, you know, some people are just like that. You know, they promise to do this and they don't do it, and they promise to do that to the point you just quit believing anything. But that's not what love does. And it was in that relationship that, that God says, Mark, you need to knock it off. I didn't look at this person with hope. I looked at him as a, a, a data point. But God says, I want you to look at that person with hope. And it changed the way I look at people completely in general. And I want, I want that to be in you if you don't already do that. I want you to look at people in hope. I, I can imagine when these people are being burned at the stake. I want you to just try to comprehend them looking at the person lighting the fire in hope. Because a lot of times we look at hope for our own self. Well, you know, I, I, hope, I hope that the straw is wet. <laughs> We're hoping. But no, I want you to hope as God would hope. And you hope that that person lighting the fire will see something different in you while you burn, that it would change their life and that they might find God. I want you to get that concept in your head because that's what love does. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went to the cross not hoping that he didn't have to do it. He did say that, God, if there's any other way, I'd be more than happy to take a different option. He said, but thy will be done. Whatever Mark needs me to do, that's what I'm going to do that he might be saved. I want you to think about that because Jesus did. I want you to think about other people, whatever you might be able to do that they might find God and that there might be hope. I have a completely different relationship with that person now. Do they still do things that they still fail sometime on their commitments? Absolutely, but I don't care anymore. I continue to look at that person with hope that someday, because it's only hurting this person that they're failing on some of these things because they could be so much more effective if they would change and I just keep hoping for that person. I just keep hoping that God will see something different and that's what hope does.
Hope continually is to see God in the future for people in every part of your life. This was a question to Jesus. Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. What he is saying is everything I wrote in here is dependent on the fact that you love God and that you love people. And that's all people, by the way. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what reward is that? That's kind of what everybody does. That's a little bit of a translation, a Mark translation, but that's what it's about. We know love by this. This is how we know. This is the we. The we are Christians, okay? The we are God-fearing, Jesus-following people. That's who the we are. We know what love is. You need to understand that. Not The world out there doesn't, okay? We keep acting like they do or they should, and they don't. We know what love is because for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. We know that. The world doesn't know that. We need to show the world that. We, as in Christians, know what love is. Because we know that he laid down his life for us. And in knowing that, in that reality in your life, as God hoped for us and died for us, then we need to hope for others and be willing to die for others. We need to lay down our lives for our brethren. That's what hope does. Hope sacrifices all that somebody else might gain that same hope that you have. Little children, let us not love with words or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know this. We will know by this that we are of the truth and we'll be assured of our hearts before him. Love is not something to talk about, people. We do that way too much in the church. We talk about how we should love and we talk about this and we talk about that and then we go and bite each other out in the hallway or out in the parking lot. Love is words and action. We call it kindness. That's, the, that's kind of the word that we use when you actually take love out of your head and into your hearts and put it in your hands. We call it kindness. Christians shouldn't do random acts of kindness. Christians should do intentional acts of kindness because we know what love is. We know what love is because Christ died for us that now needs to change into our actions for dying for others. It can't be just something we talk about. We can't talk about fishing. We need to go out and fish. In every situation, we need to love. Jesus said, love your enemies and bless those who pursue you. And he says, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's a pretty big ask. But that's a God thing. And this is this, it, when you're when you're thinking hope, when you're thinking being full of hope, you need to internalize this. It needs to be true in every situation in your life. You need to know this. It needs to be in your heart. I want you to be as convinced in this as Paul was convinced in this. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to understand, and I said it three times now, that our hope is an anchor to our soul because we're convinced of this. That no matter what you try to do to me, when Satan says, Mark, you're not, it's, it's not going to go well on Sunday because you just don't simply have the time. When Saul looks at David and says, you know, you're kind of a small kid. I don't think there's a whole lot of hope here. And David said, I've got God. I want you to understand that. So no matter what your situation is, no matter what's beating against you, what's causing you extreme tribulation, understand that nothing can take you away from what the love that Jesus has for you. But it doesn't stop here. Continually, it talks about growth. It talks about growing. We have a grow class that we have about every quarter or so. The concept that you're never there. We continue, our, our goal is to become like Christ, and we continue to work to become like Christ. We never get like Christ. We are continually in a process of becoming like Christ. And that becoming means that you keep stepping it up and stepping it up. For indeed you do practice love, which is pretty impressive. I, I went through, I, re, I read several times, Again, I cheat when I read, I listen, okay? But first and second Thessalonians, I listened to several times over this week because even when I didn't have time to be actually down doing stuff, I could listen. With love and faith, they were actually a pretty impressive church as far as faith and love go. But Paul said, you're not done yet. You do practice love towards the brethren who are in Macedonia, but I urge you, brethren, to excel still more. He says, this, he says this twice, by the way, in this one chapter, that I need you to excel still more. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as, you also, as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus and saints. Basically, that, that, you, that you'd continue to grow until Jesus comes. It doesn't stop. And they actually did pretty well. If you go to the second, the second letter that he writes them, they're doing, they took that to heart, and they're doing this. We had, ought always give thanks to God you, uh, for you, brethren, as it is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and your love of each one of you towards one another grows even greater. So he's saying this in their next letter. You listened to me. I said that it needed to increase and it continues to do so. To the point that he says, therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecution and afflictions that you are enduring. So I want you to understand this. Their their love is growing, okay? That means they are getting more love for the people around them. And you go, what are the people around them doing to them? Continually, if you read both of these letters, in both of the letters, it doesn't stop. It is relentless. They are being persecuted. 
for what they believe and for what they hope in, they are being persecuted and in a lot of different ways, and none of them are pleasant. And the people, then their love for the people persecuting them is growing. Do you understand that? That is completely backwards from what you and I do so many times. The more people persecute us, the less we like them. That's, that's a worldly thing, I want you to know. Because a godly thing is this, that the church in Thessalonica is doing. The more they're being persecuted, the more they love. If you can get to a point that the hope in your life drives you to love people more that treat you even worse, and it gets really bad when it's relentless. It's like that chronic pain that won't go away. That's how some people are, the way they treat you. But what does Jesus say? He said, I died for you. Your love for them needs to continue to increase. We're talking God stuff here. We're not talking easy stuff. We're talking follow God. This is what Paul says. This is this concept of growing. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that they, as they are being beaten and as their love for their beaters continues to grow and their beaters ask them, what is the reason for this hope that you hope for? They are adding perseverance. And that perseverance later on turns into love. That's how it works. You just keep adding God stuff to your life. And you see the results become effective and productive in your knowledge. Because so many times we have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that is ineffective and unproductive. Because we don't show this kind of hope. We don't show love for people when they persecute us. And what I'm going to talk about now is we don't talk a lot about in the church. It's about works. We don't talk about a lot about works because we have this fear that people will believe that works gives, earns your way to heaven. Okay? I want you to be clear before I start any of this. As a bottom line, works does not get you into heaven. But the one problem, if you read the, the letters to Thessalonica, the one problem they were having was they had so much hope. They had so much hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had so much hope in their eternity and salvation that they thought, not all of them, but some of them thought they could just check out here. I can just stop doing here because I'm just, I'm just here for a short time and then I'm going to heaven, praise God. So some of them were just checking out. That's not Christianity. Christianity is every single day you are working for God, for the glory of his kingdom. Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what our job is to do. Our job is that the things that we do in our lives people see, not, not to say, great job, Mark, good. That was, that's impressive, but to say, who is that God that you have? 
I'm stuck. Can you, Helen, there's nobody there. All right. So, Will, until I can get somebody to go forward, because I am not going forward. He talks about this in the next letter. All right, and thank you very much. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. This is the next letter, so they, haven't, they didn't quite get it. He, he was kind of... Eh. Sometimes you, you try to say something softly to somebody so that, and they don't really get the point because you're a little too easy on them. That's how he was in, in the first letter, so then he writes the second letter. For I hear that some, some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies or is more concerned about what everybody else is doing than doing anything themselves. Now, such persons we commend and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. This is about you. This is about what you are doing for the kingdom of heaven. We get so, so much so wrapped up in what other people are doing, it's really, we need to start with what we're doing. Because this is, this is the truth. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why we were created. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God already had, the Bible says there's this path that's marked out for you. There's a reason, you're here for a purpose. You're here to do stuff. You're not here to check out and say, thank God, I've got an eternity ahead of me, so I don't really have to do anything anymore. I've got a, I've got a Christ that has died for me, so I don't really need to do anything anymore. No, we're created to do good work. We're his workmanship. He made us so then that we can benefit others. We can be a tool for him. And whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. I want you to keep that in mind in whatever you're doing, whether it's an occupation or however you're doing something for somebody else. Think of it. Internalize it, that you're doing it for God. I, I, worked, with, I worked with a, a number of, of bosses, and I, I, mo I get along with my bosses most all the time. I've had some good ones, and I've had some not-so-good ones. That's how bosses are. And sometimes you are a good boss. Sometimes you're not particularly a good boss. But if you work for God, you have the best boss of all. And no matter what it is that you're doing, if you think about it this way, you're not doing it to get more money. You're not doing it to get a reward. You're not doing it to impress your boss. You're doing it to please God. It'll change the way you do stuff. You will be more productive, you'll be more effective if you do it as if you're doing it for God. A lot of times we think, well, our boss isn't really here, so I don't have to work so hard. Well, when Jesus is watching you, you're pretty much working hard all the time. But his burden is light, so he's a good boss. <laughs> you yourself know that these hands, this is, this is Paul talking. I want you to understand Paul. Paul didn't even want it to be a hint that possibly he was doing stuff for profit. 
He didn't want anybody to think that he was preaching the gospel of God for profit. He didn't want that to even be a thought in somebody's head. So he made sure that no money, that he was not paid money, even though he said many times I could be, but I don't, I don't want anybody to say that. I don't want anybody to ever say, yeah, Paul's just doing this for the money. You yourself know that these hands, he's talking about his own hands, ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know why the Bible says you should have a job? It doesn't say you should go out and get a job so you can feed yourself. You know, we, we see that. He even said that in, to them pretty much. If you, We've heard that. If you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? They, the Bible says that. But what it really says, the reason why you get a job is so that when somebody is in need, you can meet that need. It's about what other people need. So the concept is you aren't just doing it for everything you do with your hands for God is not just for you. It's not just to benefit you. You're not like the guy that built bigger barns and said, I will live happily ever after. You're doing it for other people. For God is not unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name. And having ministered in all ministering of the saints, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. The concept here is your work is working towards your assurance. It's not working towards your salvation. It's working towards your assurance. You'll realize your assurance and hope all the way till the end if you continue working until the end. I, I was telling the first service this is a question I keep getting asked. I don't know, as a teacher, as I, I don't want people even curious about this, but I keep getting asked, what does it mean that you'll have this crown with multiple jewels and with the work that you do here on earth, the more jewels you're going to have? I don't know if you've read that. It says that in the Bible. Somehow Jesus doesn't forget it. Somehow it relates to these jewels in his crown. You know what my answer to that question is? It's a different answer than what my hope is. My answer to that question is, I don't know and I don't care. That's my answer to that. I, do, I don't have a vision in my mind that you walk around in heaven and, and say, oh, you're a four-jewel guy. I don't think that. I don't think it's like, well, look at me. I've got like 12 jewels. You've only got four jewels, so therefore I'm better than you. That's not heaven. I don't care how I get rewarded. I care about who I'm working for, who I'm glorifying, and who I get to be with for eternity. That's who I care about. I want to be with God. I don't care how many jewels in my crown. Jewels are heavy. I don't carry them around a lot. So for your hope to be full, I need you to understand that this is what needs to be a reality in your life. The first thing is you need to have a full conviction that what God says in here is from him and it is true. Accept it for what it really is. It's the word of God. It needs to be founded in love. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. 
even told them that. I shouldn't even have to tell you this because you already know. Love is the foundation. You need to be continually growing. Don't just check out. You need to excel still more and don't check out. Keep working. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your business and work with your hands, doing the work of God and glorifying him. Because your hope is not just for you, your hope should infect the people around. The thing about, it's like the glass. You don't just get to full and stop. You keep the water running, and it just flows out. That's when people start saying, I need to know the hope that is in you because it keeps falling out of you and I keep picking it up. That's the kind of hope that you should have. The hope that people see. The hope that people around you experience. And the hope that people around you want. And it's the hope that comes from God and his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross at the right time to give you peace with God. Because that's all we need. He's already given us everything we need. Everything else is just bonus. But in that bonus, benefit others in what God has given to you. Shall we pray? Almighty God, I thank you so much. Lord, we have everything we need. Lord, while we were yet sinners, your son came and he died on the cross for each and every one of us that we now have peace with you, which is exactly where we want to be, where we need to be, and we pray we continue to be. But Lord, I pray that it never stops with us. In love and in work for you, Lord, I pray that we become effective and productive, that people might see our good works and glorify you. And Lord, that that same hope that flows out of us can be caught by those around us. For it is a hope that does not disappoint. It is a hope that will take us through to the end until we are with you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name.